The first thing I notice on the packaging here is that it says no artificial flavors. I'm going to go ahead and doubt that. This is a fun dip. I don't remember the last time I had this stuff. I don't know if I'm going to like it still. Um, it's Raz Apple Magic Dip flavored. There are blue raspberries and bright green apples on the front of it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. As a kid, I actually remember that the lick'em stick was always my favorite, the little white part. You're supposed to lick and then dip into this sugary substance. Oh, it's like a bluish green color. It's kind of changing. All right. Mmm. Hmm. Interesting. You can't decide if it tastes delicious or a little bit like medicine. I'm going to go ahead and say though that there definitely have to be artificial flavors in here. Huh. Yep. The lick'em stick is still my favorite. You'd think as an adult I'd know better than to dump a stick of sugar into a bag of sugar, but there's just something about a bucket of candy sitting out that just makes you say, okay, fine, just a little bit. Hmm. It's growing on me. All candy, though, is not created equal. Especially on Halloween, where not even a Freddy mask can hide the disgust on some kids' faces when their stash is spoiled by an errant bit o' honey. That's one of the worst Halloween candies, by the way, according to a pretty definitive survey done by CandyStore.com, updated for 2019 and everything. What's the best? Hershey's bars, Skittles, Sour Patch Kids, Butterfinger, Nerds, M&Ms, Kit Kat, Twix, Snickers, and number one, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. If you want to be the cool house on the block, take note. But there's something to be said for some of the candies that made it to the list of the 10 worst candies, too. Now, I won't stand up for wax Coke bottles, even though producer Dory says she likes those, or even Necco wafers. But licorice? Smarties? Or the so-called number one worst Halloween candy? Get ready to feel triggered. Candy corn? We're gonna jump into a pillowcase full of candy, and we're not leaving those out, because while you might get some of them from your neighbors in your pumpkin bucket, their origin is also close to home. People always indulge themselves in candy. I just think candy always has a place. Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, we really want candy. Best and worst lists be damned, for now. It's just, nobody has a bad memory when it comes to sweet things. Meet the woman who believes every suburb should be a candy land. It just doesn't fit into the business model nowadays as far as what profits come out of it, but it used to be a mainstay in any neighborhood and in any person's memories. How some of the most important treats in the candy aisle found sweet beginnings in the loo and why it might not be as sweet as you thought. Candy really wasn't just a strictly kid thing that you would think about. Now, back to that fun dip. Oh, snap, I spilled it everywhere. Whoever's in this audio booth next is gonna wonder what the heck happened. Picture your dream house. You're probably thinking shiplap in your kitchen or a sweet mid-century bathroom. What would your dream home have looked like, though, as a kid? Maybe something like Barbie Francis's place on Argonne Drive in downtown Kirkwood. An apartment above her candy store, The Sugar Shack. And it's been more fun every day. 
Tell me about what it's like, because I think this is the type of thing that every kid grows up thinking they're gonna own a candy shop, right? For sure, but I think every person on this earth, just talking to people every day, that's the most fun. I've got the neighborhood, which is really what it's all about for me. It's a very connective thing in a neighborhood. And so I have had, in 12 years, boys come back that are now 25 that they were you know, 10, 11 when I met them. And it is so fun to see them all grown up. And so it's the children that come in after school and it's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and it's mayhem and so much fun. And then I have the adults seeking out those pieces that they haven't seen in ages. And then they're squealing in delight, more than a two-year-old, when they find them, like the Abba Zaba or the Blackjack Gum. So it's both of those bases. The people where I'm a destination is more of an adult, whereas the neighborhood, they're out on bikes and scooters and they're coming over after school and I'm just a neighborhood thing. And she says that's how it's been for generations. For many of her customers, stepping into the sugar shack is like a trip back to the candy store they grew up going to down the street. That was decades ago, though, when that kind of Norman Rockwell scene was real life. And you would have been listening to this podcast sitting with your whole family, fireside. Well, now she has a new generation of kids coming by, proving some traditions don't sour. Kids around town after school, which... They're like old men, you know, there's a couple little boys. Well, seriously, they order the same thing like they're having breakfast at, you know, at IHOP. They'll come in and they'll say, I'll look at them and say, three bullseyes, two cowtails, and three, you know, bit of honey. And they're so funny, they get the same thing every time. What is it about candy? You know, everybody's got memories of it. And it's also depression, recession proof. You know, even in the worst of times, Somebody can pull, it used to be a penny, now it's a quarter, but today's quarter is yesterday's penny, really. If you think about it, my kids throw away quarters, you know, but a child can walk in here and with a quarter get three pieces of candy. So a parent walking down the sidewalk is checking their pockets, they come up with that, and they make their child happy, and then the child, they grow up, as I said, 18-year-old boys, boy, you know, 21-year-old boys come in here and say, oh my gosh, I remember coming here after school. It's just, nobody has a bad memory when it comes to sweet things. So I think that's a lot of what it is. And then it's always a pretty affordable thing. I mean, in today's day and age, there's no fangled candy and people coming up with all this cocoa and you know, that type of thing. But this candy, this candy is meant to be for just the entire population. You know, it's nostalgic candy it's not um, boutique candy, but it's candy that holds a place in most people's heart, you know, and they remember. Is this one of those situations where you can fairly say they don't make it like they used to? Oh, for sure. Because I will even have some candy aficionados, <laughs> these are the adults, not the kids, that will come in and say, the Rocky Road used to be better. They're not making it with the original good ingredients, the real sugar. You know, there's so much high fructose corn syrup and things like that that are now used to keep candy affordable by some of the major companies. And the thing is, hers is a small business that in a lot of ways does need big business, the manufacturers. Barbie opened up the sugar shack in her beloved Kirkwood simply because she thought the neighborhood needed one. And she's a sucker for vintage stuff. It's why she specializes in nostalgic candy. But when companies go for substitute ingredients, they really don't make them like they used to. The payoff just isn't as sweet. 
And when companies go out of business or discontinue products like the Clark Bar or Mary Jane's, it impacts Barbie's payoff, too. That's kind of a, a, a thing that is happening, a trend that's happening, that some of these candy companies that have been in business for hundreds of years are not able to make it in today's economic climate. I never really even thought about how the big business would impact small businesses like yours. How are you really able to stay open when your price points are 25 cents a lot of times? I'll be honest, um, I try not to be greedy. I am operating my business plan from a different set of values, I think, and so a lot of people will say that. And um, I operate to get by and to do what I do because I love doing what I do and I love my customers. And I am not trying to build a retirement in Hawaii with what I'm doing. That's really the only way that I'm making it. You know, like I think that so many other business models nowadays are just based on a lot of money. <laughs> so you're saying that you're not making Boku bucks off no, of this? No, you can't. So Barbie might not be making her fortune off candy, but plenty of others in the St. Louis area have, or at least have tried to. To sink our teeth into some of those stories, producer Dory and I called on Suzanne Corbett, a local food historian, and she brought treats. Everything has a story, mm -hmm. and I'm going to start with this really great big bag, and you can hear it. <laughs> it has candy corn. Like I said, prepare to be triggered. I like the stuff, Dory loves the stuff, but you'd think it's the stuff of nightmares when you talk to some people this time of year. Again, candy corn is literally ranked as the number one worst Halloween candy of 2019. You gotta admit, people get salty about their candy corn opinions. But did you know the guys who popularized candy corn are rooted in Belleville, Illinois? The Golitz brothers moved to Illinois in the 1830s, where they opened a candy-making business. By the time the second generation took over, one of their specialties was royal buttercreams, the main ingredient in what became known as the finest candy corn available. Eventually, they moved out of Belleville and became Jelly Belly. Yes, that Jelly Belly, the jelly bean people. But the Golitz Confectionery still gets all the credit for bringing candy corn to the masses. Credit, or you might say blame. The original was uh, actually invented at a candy company in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and sold as chicken feed, not candy corn. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. If you thought it was divisive before, can you imagine if it was still known as chicken feed candy? It's, it's all in branding. Another St. Louis-based company, Sunmark, is responsible for some of the most recognizable candies of today. Remember that fun dip? Well, that was a, uh, an idea that Sunmark came up with when one of the guys discovered that the sour mix, the, the uh, drink mix that was home, that you could mix at home to make your own little oh, yeah. fruit drinks and stuff with, his kids were just eating the powder. <laughs> so he got the idea, well, you know, maybe we could package this. And that's what he did. Really? And that's how Lickamade got into it. And then the next step after that, was pixie sticks because Lickamade got so messy, mothers were yep, it made grabbing. your hands all well. They were spilling it all over the place. They were spilling it all over the place. And pixie sticks, you could take the little top off and just sprinkle it into your mouth. Direct sugar. Direct sugar. <laughs> and of course, being any good candy maker, you want to try to maximize what you have. You know, to make something different, something new, to keep your 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 bottom line healthy. If you take pixie sticks, the the powder, process it, press it into a tablet, you know what you get? 
sweet tarts. You got it. That's right. That's and if you have sweet tarts and you pan it, and remember what panning is, you put it into a container, mm-hmm. you put that sugar shell on it. What do you have? Sprees. Sprees. Oh. That's it. Yep. So you're saying that you know the lickum sticks, pixie the sticks, pixie sticks, um, sweet tarts, sweet tarts and, and sprees, sprees. They all have a connection to St. Louis with Sunmark. Yeah. If you didn't try to snort pixie sticks as a kid, yeah, snort pixie sticks as a kid, congratulations. You avoided one of Darwin's greatest and worst tests. It's a dumb, dumb thing that frankly looks even more ridiculous. Kind of like those candy cigarettes you used to pretend to smoke. It's a little weird, don't you think? Well, the connection between candy and bad decisions used to be even more direct. Back in the 1800s, turn of the century, candy really wasn't just a strictly kid thing that you would think about. Just you would have your candy stores, of course, but a lot of penny candy and things like that, it was a big product that was sold connected to liquor and cigarettes. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tell I mean, me more can, about that. Well, you can go through some of the great photography that's at the History Museum and you'll see old candy companies and uh, and and advertising slicks that are attached to storefronts that are just basically candy and cigarette stores, a tobaccoist. Uh, yeah, liquor stores. Mm-hmm. Because candy is a treat, it's a vice. Right. In right. some ways. But it also kind of goes with the old tale of candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about it that way. When did the candy industry turn from something that seemed more of a vice and something for adults to being something that's more for children on a lot of the mainstream marketing. Well, I prefer to look at it as as candy was a luxury. It was a huge luxury. And it really didn't become popular until candy making, or I should say sugar production, got cheaper. The minute minute sugar got cheaper because of the um, Industrial Revolution, The process got better, it got cheaper, and therefore you could use it in a variety of different things. That's why people like Hershey took off. That's why the people like Gullicks and and Schwitzers were able to create candy that was affordable for everyday consumption. Penny candy. Penny candy was something as a byproduct of the cheap sugar that you could take and then use. And I guess that's, by default, then it's easier to get your kids some candy, too, if it's cheaper than Mm -hmm. when it was more expensive. Well, that's true. These days, it seems like we adults are the ones who have to give ourselves permission to go for anything sweet, right? Gimme more has been replaced with questions of, is it worth it? Barbie thinks when it comes to candy... The answer's usually yes. People always indulge themselves in candy. I just think candy always has a place. And so even if you're this, you know, keto vegan, you're sneaking a piece of candy. I guarantee (laughs) you are. They're in here sneaking something. So everybody has their little cheat. But I think even if a parent is super healthy, they're looking for something for their child because they as children had a piece of candy and have fond memories of it usually. And the whole thing is just, you know, doing everything in moderation. Moderation, again, yes. But that doesn't mean we've had enough. Kids and adults we've seen over the years will always have an appetite for candy. 
But will it be the next big thing or the things of the past that we crave the most? Do you think we've passed peak candy and we've kind of come up with the best candy that America's really going to have? Or do you think that there's a future really in candy that doesn't depend on nostalgia and us already having these candies that we know and love? Well, I think there's always something new around the corner, and what's old is new again. It might have a little bit of different twist, a different fluff, a different bag, but there's a lot to be said for that nostalgia twist, and, and you're seeing more and more of it today. Just because of how our culture is, we're, we're seeking that validity of who we are, uh, where we've been, and Candy and food is one of those things that takes you back and defines who we are. I like that. And what a great flavor that is. <laughs> it, it's really sweet. I like that. <laughs> I might steal that for the end of the show here. Yeah. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. Written by me, Abby Larico. Executive producer is Dory Olmos. Theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivia Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of our treats or tricks. Leave us a rating and review, too. And let us know your thoughts on our Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. Tell us, what's your favorite candy? And how do you feel about candy corn? We want to know it all. Until next time, seize the treats.